Heavenly Father, you've promised that your holy word, which goes forth from your mouth, will not return to you empty, but it will accomplish what you desire. It will succeed in the matter for which you've sent it. May your word have its way in every heart this day, we pray, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. So does anyone here uh, enjoy paying taxes? Ra raise your hand if you enjoy paying taxes. No, no takers on that one, okay. Well, we ought to pay our taxes, shouldn't we? Uh, the Bible commands us to do so, in fact, but the Bible doesn't say we must enjoy doing so. Uh, and that's because the government collects taxes by threatening you with economic ruin if you don't pay up. Now again, I'm not against paying taxes. I just want you to know that when giving is required of you, when it's coerced, it's no longer giving. That's called taking. When someone requires you to give, they are literally taking something from you. That is not freedom. That is compulsion or coercion, as we say. Freedom's very different. On page seven of your worship bulletin, Roman numeral one, freedom involves the absence of obligation or the absence of coercion or compulsion. Why is it that people look forward to vacation time? Or why, why is it that you may look forward to a day off? It's because at those times, you have more freedom to decide what you want to do instead of what you have to do. That's what makes it enjoyable. That's why we look forward to those times. Letter A, the Old Testament law dictated your giving. It wasn't up to you. You had to give, you were required to give a tithe to the priest, to the temple, a tenth, for the upkeep of the temple or the tabernacle. There was yet another tithe on top of that annually uh, to fund the festivals that you were required to go to, three a year. And there was a third tithe, and that was to assist the poor. And that was collected, I believe, every third year. So every year there was a 20% giving, and then a th every third year another 10% on top of that. So I suppose every, every year then you're, you're giving, what, about 23% or something like that. That's dictated. And St. Paul refers to this as humanity's juvenility or humanity's childhood. You need to be told what to do. Children don't know, they don't have the wisdom, the experience to know what to do next, so somebody must guide them. This is what the Lord is doing for his people. He's providing guidance, requirements. This is what you must do. Letter B, in contrast, New Testament giving is up to the individual. And from 2 Corinthians 9-7, our reading 
Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion. There's no compulsion here. For God loves a cheerful giver. And in Galatians 4, Paul refers to this as humanity's coming of age, humanity's maturity. Now, that does not mean that everybody suddenly become mature. It doesn't mean that at all. It means that God is treating his people as if they are mature. Since the coming of Christ, you no longer need to be told what to do. God trusts you to do what your heart tells you to do because now your heart is guided by the Holy Spirit, prompting you, reminding you of the grace you've received so that you now desire to give freely as you've received. Galatians 5.13, our other reading. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Now by opportunity for the flesh, Paul means don't use your freedom to turn inward on yourself. Don't waste your freedom on self-indulgence. Don't indulge your selfish nature. That will not bring you joy. It will not bring you fulfillment. Rather, that will bring you guilt. It will bring you increasing isolation. Instead, use your freedom, use your time, your treasure, and talents to serve others in love. That is God's will. Roman numeral two. This means Christianity is not just freedom from something, such as the law and its compulsion. It's not just freedom from something, but freedom for something. Freedom for something. And I love the way Luther puts it. Letter A, the freedom of the Christian is a slavery to love. A slavery to love. Imagine being enslaved to love. Is that so terrible? Would that be so hard? We're not called to be slaves to ourselves. God has set us free from ourselves. That's our default position, is self-indulgence. God has set us free from that. We are slaves to love. And love does not seek its own well-being. Love always seeks the well-being of those around you. Love looks outward to the needs of others. And there is nothing in life more satisfying than that. I recall being an elder uh, when I was a member at Grace Lutheran Lafayette. And the pastor asked us, when we joined the church, well, what would you like to do? And, and he gave us several options. One was to visit shut-ins. And I said, oh, we'll, we'll visit shut-ins. There were two. Ethel Verdon and Dorothy Davis. And we had not met either one of them. And I remember our first visit with Dorothy. It was after a long day of work uh, for myself and for Harriet at our respective jobs. We went, knocked on Dorothy's door. She was an elderly woman in very poor health. She was declining. And we had a wonderful visit with her, about 45 minutes, maybe close to an hour, something like that. It was around dinner time after work. And I, I remember driving home with Harriet. 
and just thinking about that. Of all the things we had done during the day, and we had done a lot of things, a lot of necessary, important things, enjoyable things, but there was nothing that day that was more fulfilling, more enjoyable, more meaningful than to get to know Dorothy, visiting this stranger. And it was then that I learned that there are some things in life I do not have to do. Rather, there are some things in life that I get to do. These things are not got-tos. They are get-tos. And these are the things that God created us for. That's what Paul meant in our second reading when he wrote, through love, serve one another. Nothing you experience in life is more satisfying than loving service toward another. And such acts of love are always, always voluntary. They cannot be coerced. Then it's not love. It's an obligation. It's law. Letter B. Love is not a feeling. It is a choice. It's a choice. And it is the source of joyful living and giving. You may not feel like loving someone. They may have hurt you in some way. But the Bible counsels you to ignore your feelings and just do it. Just pray for them. Just show them some kindness. And I guarantee you, your feelings will start to change. Positive feelings are not the cause of love. They are the result of love, of choosing to love. And that's what Jesus meant when he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. This is how God is toward us. He gives, and he gives, and he gives, though it's totally undeserved. And the more we remember that, the more we realize that about God, the more we are transformed and prompted to behave and to give and to live as he does. It's not coercion. It's a willingness that God creates in us. Roman numeral three. Freedom is the gift of living as God intended you to live. As God intended you to live. God designed your life to be satisfying, and it is satisfying when we lose ourselves in the service of someone else. That is the way God is. That's the way he lives. Letter A, God's giving is purely voluntary. He owes us nothing. It's voluntary, out of love for all. Jesus said God causes his sun to shine on the evil and the good. He sends his rain on the just and the unjust. Without distinction, he does it to all. God owes us nothing except judgment, but he refuses to condemn us. Instead, he chooses to condemn his own beloved son in our place, satisfying on the one hand his sense of justice and on the other hand, his desire to love sinners like you and me. For God loved the world in this way, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It doesn't say whoever is good enough will have eternal life. It doesn't say whoever makes the most money or has the highest grade point average will have eternal life. It says whoever believes in God's son will not perish, but have eternal life. 
This God that we recognize owes us nothing, but gives us everything, including himself, for our sins at the cross. The scripture says this of Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. His giving of himself was a joy to him. He gives voluntarily, and he experiences the joy of voluntary giving. And let her be. We imitate God in our giving. We imitate him. Now, God could give to other people without employing you or me to do so, but he chooses to give through us so that we might share his joy and that we might discover meaning and purpose in our lives. He does that. Jesus said, freely you've received, freely give, freely give. God gives to us, though we are unworthy, and the more we understand that, the more we are enabled by God to give to others who are as unworthy as we. This applies to all areas of life, to our time, our treasure, our talents. St. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God in Christ forgave you. When it comes to giving, The government treats us all as children who need to be coerced, forced into making what it calls contributions. As we said before, that is not giving. That is taking. In the church, we treat you as adults because God treats us as adults. That means your giving is up to you. As St. Paul writes, let each one give as he has decided in his own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We give cheerfully because our giving is not compulsory. Each of us gives as he's decided in his own heart to do so, hearts that are made generous by the love of God for us all. In God's kingdom, We're not only stewards of time, treasure, and talent. We're also stewards of this freedom that God has given us. God treats us today as mature individuals. Not that we're all mature in Christ. We're not. But God treats us as mature when it comes to giving because he wants our giving to be willing from the heart, and cheerful. That is to say, God considers us worthy of his trust. He trusts us. He trusts us to be generous toward others as he is generous toward us. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.